Well, I want to talk to you today for this short time that I have about Christ. Christ who is altogether lovely. What I'm asking the Lord to do today can be found in Acts chapter 1. If you want to turn there and look at this, this is pretty amazing. This is the ascension of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, it says, after he had said these things, look, at close, look closely here. He, Jesus, was lifted up while they were looking at him. He was lifted up while they were looking at him. Obviously, this is a physical, actual situation. Jesus was ascending as they looked at him. But I want to grab a spiritual parallel that as you gaze upon Christ, he will be lifted above all your surroundings, everything going on in this world, and even yourself. How many of you know that's probably the biggest problem? There are all kinds of problems in the world, but the problems within are way worse. As we look upon him, he will be lifted high. The more you look at him, the higher he will be. So today we will look at Jesus. The next thing is in verse 13 or 11 here. It says, while they were looking into the sky, they, while they were gazing intently, verse 10, gazing intently at Jesus, they hear of the second coming. This is indicative to me of something, that the more you look at Jesus, the more convinced you are that he's coming. We lack a Maranatha in our blood when our eyes are not on Christ. The higher Christ gets in your life, the more you realize and feel he is coming. And then it ends here in verse 12. You see they go back, 14. It says that they, from that, from that gazing upon Christ and Christ being lifted above them and earthly situations and hearing and feeling the return of Jesus Christ, it says they dedicated themselves to prayer. So this is what I'm asking God to do today. Holy Spirit, set our eyes on Jesus that he may rise higher than all the things going on in our lives and all the things going on in our hearts, uh, higher than us. And may we feel the return of the Lord and, re and go back to our homes, men and women of prayer. That's what I'm praying. So turn in your Bible to Song of Solomon chapter 5, verse 16. <laughs> Those of you who are Song of Solomon lovers know exactly where I'm going. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16, in the New Living Translation, it says, He is desirable in every way. In the English Standard Version, it says, He is altogether desirable. In the New American Standard Version, which is my chosen version, He is wholly, completely Desirable. And in the King James, which is probably best, it says, He is altogether lovely. We're talking of a person here, He. And we're not talking about something He was or will be, we're talking about what He currently is. Altogether, this is completely every aspect of His being. Is there not a charm in His every feature? 
altogether lovely. The word lovely means able to excite love and desire. Literally, to see the person of the Lord, you are struck with excitement and desire. You feel love sparked on the inside just by gazing upon the Lord. He who looks much loves much. He who looks little loves little. So I intend today to worship the Lord through preaching Christ. And I reach to you to worship the Lord through hearing of Christ. Everything depends upon Christ occupying the chief place in our attention. Everything in your life depends on this. Is Christ occupying the highest place? And today we're going to look at how altogether lovely he is. But I echo Spurgeon in saying, if I had an angel's tongue, I could not give proper color to Christ. All the words that a man can say are shadows compared to the brilliance of what he actually is. Jesus is transcendently lovely. He has unrivaled charms. So let us set our minds upon his sparkling beauties and he will begin to draw all the love out of your heart. I, I want to go right to your heart and put a meter on your heart. And as we look at Jesus, I want to hear your heart start beating harder and harder and harder. That we would fall in love fresh with him. One theologian says that this altogether lovely statement in its original language could be translated, he is made up of all loves and delights. And he excites, he is all that excites desire. To desire the Lord is impossible without seeing him. To love the Lord is impossible without seeing him. Why do you love the Lord? You've got to see what he is like and be pulled in by this, this giant magnet of a man that he is. He pulls in all your desires. So just pray with me. Just, just close your eyes right there. Put your hand on your heart and say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see this lovely Christ, to see him so clearly that I will be unwilling to look away. Maybe you're here and you say, I've heard of Christ, I've read of him, I've learned about him, but I say to you, unless your sight of him causes a a burning fire of love on the inside, then your knowledge is like the moon, all light and no warmth. That's what religion is. I know this. I know this. Listen, the devil doesn't care about what you know. He fears that you will see him. All of his plots and all of his schemes are to stop you from seeing the excellencies of Christ, which are a wealth of thought and feeling. He excites love at every sight of him. No matter what angle you look at him at, he will spark love on the inside of your heart. You say, Eric, you keep talking about love. Why is love so important? Because it's the one thing that he wants from you. Finn alone said, love him and I'll release you from everything else because everything else will come by love. It's just the key 
What I'm trying to say is to, to miss him is to miss all, but to get him is to get all. Well, I'm preaching Christ to you today as worship. So you can be the wisest man in the world, the richest man in the world, the greatest man in the world, but outside of the enjoyment of Christ, you still live in an inescapable darkness. Because the gospel is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of this man, Jesus Christ. And living by this light. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun in the sky. Not, not just because I can see it, but by it I see. And so we live by sight of Christ. I'm telling you to refuse to turn your eyes to him. And live looking unto him is to choose slavery. Your liberty is in your looking. And as you turn, you say, Eric, what does it mean to look at Jesus? It means to, by contemplation and communion, set your whole soul's desire upon what he has revealed of himself in the scriptures. And let it occupy the whole of your mind. Let the gospel revelation of Jesus diffuse its peace and joy and love into every part of your body every single day. It's the key. Because to entertain sin is to invite sorrow. If we lack that paramount desire, that, that spirit craving, that soul pining after Jesus... As St. Teresa of Avila wrote, my soul suffers out of desire for you. To miss that craving for God, that longing for him. I'm telling you, your vision is dim. Because to see him rightly is to love him only. Praise God. Thomas Watson once wrote, Christ does not lack beauty, men lack eyes. See, a... Just like a blind man doesn't admire a rainbow, you could open up a treasure chest in front of him and his heart doesn't palpitate, doesn't even know it's there. Jesus Christ is the treasure chest of heaven opened up for all men to see. We need eyes to see. See, a deaf man, he doesn't sway to music. And so a deaf soul cannot perceive the music of the voice of Jesus Christ. So I say, awaken eyes. Awaken ears, see and hear heaven's most dear, Jesus. See, what is more beautiful than God dropping down out of heaven into the restrictions and frailties of a human body? We, we think something to be beautiful because it's an extravagant act or something so kind. Oh, that's just a beautiful act that this person has done. The fact that God is living inside of a human body is the single most gloriously beautiful and attractive thing known to man because it is a demonstration of a patient love and kindness and humility that will never be matched just in the simple infant in the manger, manger, born next to hay and dung. There's nothing like this. It's actually hard to really grasp, but I pray the Spirit cause it to be swallowed and go right into your stomach. That we may see Christ as he truly is. This great condescension, you know this word, condescension. He has condescended to you, and that is beautiful. He has subjected himself, praise God, 
to the frailties and restrictions of the human body, to communicate himself to you, to offer himself for you, a more wonderful character cannot be found. This is why we love him. To think upon this, God became a man. That's an endless meditation that makes love in the inside. It causes the heart to just burst up with love for God. Matthew 10, 37, Jesus has this incredible statement. But when I say Jesus has this incredible statement, remember what I just said. The God who became a human in order to talk to the humans and communicate himself to the humans and reveal himself to the humans and offer himself for the humans stands in front of the humans and he says to them, if any man love father, mother, wife, children more than me, then he's not worthy of me. Anyone who doesn't pick up his cross and follow is not worthy of me. Do you see why he's allowed to say such words? Because of who he is. Because he's altogether lovely, he can make such demands upon the soul. Why? Because he knows he's the only one that can actually fulfill the soul. Praise God. So here he is, the altogether lovely Christ, the most beautiful character, nature, and glory, and kindness, and love, stands before man and says, will you love me more than anything else? Praise God. It's as if he stands before us to ask you a question. Who's more worthy of your love than me? I love my wife. She is a treasure to me. But she has never done for me what God has done for me. I, I love my children. I love my friends. But none of my friends have parted with their blood for me. I ask you, who is it that has your attention? Who is it that has your love? I tell you this, you put them next to Jesus and they disappear. I've come to just worship Christ today through preaching Christ today, to hold him up as the altogether lovely one. His unmatched beauty urges you to take the crown away from every creature, to take the crown away from every pursuit of this world and to give it to him and him alone. As Charles Spurgeon said, let Christ wear the crown that he bought with his own blood. Praise God. Compared to this one who is entirely enticing, that's what altogether lovely means, he is entirely enticing. This one who excites love by his very character and goodness and patience and perfections. All other things are shining dust. Other people are fading shadows. And all the pleasures you can experience compared to him are bursting bubbles. Praise God. Inside of him, we can enjoy him in all and even in loss, enjoy him as all. Praise God. See, all the human soul is looking for is found in the beauty of Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're saying, Eric, I still don't understand this beauty thing. Like, I understand a beautiful woman, but what do you mean by a beautiful God, a beautiful man, a beautiful Christ? What do you mean by that? I mean five things. Number one, what he is. What is he? Well, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. What, what is he? Well, the scripture says his sovereignty rules over all, and all things are his servants. Who are we talking about here? He holds the wind in his fists. 
Who he is is number one. Number two, what he's like, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. What he's like wins your heart. Not only that, what he's done, he didn't just stop and talk, he came and died. Blood dripping from his knee is for me a symphony, a song of love that men can see. Greater love, how can it be? Jesus Christ, altogether lovely. And it's not just what he's done, it's what he is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's put himself on the inside, praise God. He made you his tabernacle, his temple. And not only this, but forget not all of his benefits. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He heals all of your diseases. He, he forgives all of your iniquities. He redeems your life from the pit. Praise God. He doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. As a father has compassion upon his child, so God has compassion on those who fear him. Praise God. From whom? All blessings flow, praise him, all creatures here below. To think daily upon who he is, what he's like, and this beautiful, altogether lovely nature that he has, it will plant your heart in the upper world. And you can live down here as they do up there. See, all the beauties that we know, they, di they diminish with, with closeness. The closer you get to something, it may seem like it's flawless, but the closer you get to it, the more flaws start popping out. But Jesus, the closer you get to him, the more flawless you see him to be. And things may be wonderful in life, and they're so sweet for a while, but then as time goes on, they just kind of, in one way or another, they lose their sweetness. But with Christ, but with Christ, he gets sweeter as the moments fly, sweeter, sweeter as the day goes by. He is better today for my soul than he was yesterday because I'm able to receive more of him today than I was yesterday because what I received yesterday opened me up to receive more today and again and again and again. Glory to glory, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He's deity inside of a body. Can you even fathom? Gosh. Sometimes we just pass by these things. We say, we say Jesus Christ. Do you know what you just said? You just said that God became a man for me and became all that I need. That's what you say when you say, Jesus Christ, praise God. I'm asking the Lord for new eyes to see him. Are you asking the Lord for new eyes with which I want to see you with more than the eyes I already have? Maybe this is why the living creatures have so many eyes. They keep praying, Lord, give me another set with which to look upon your beauty. I pray that that's what happens today that we get a new set of eyes with which to gaze upon the majesty, splendor, and excellencies of the man, Christ Jesus, who sits high above all. Praise God. You see, Jacob labored and waited out of love for Rachel. <laughs> but that love pales in comparison to how much Christ has labored and waited in love for you. 
A greater deliverer than Moses, yes he is. A greater captain than Joshua. A better king than King David. He's richer than Solomon. He ascended higher than Elijah. He walked closer with God than Enoch. He's more favored than Joseph. He's wiser than Daniel. He's the stone with seven eyes and the lamb slain in your stead. In my place condemned he stood, praise God. You won't find a man like this who captivates the soul, steals all your eyes, all your attention, to behold his beauty and dwelling in his presence is what, what we crave. Literally, you see him for what he is and the sight of him strikes you down and reduces you to one thing. I just want to live in your presence and gaze upon you. I pray that that's what happens to us today. As we just contemplate the beauty and majesty and splendor of Jesus, we'd be stricken breathless by the overwhelming conviction there is no one else like him. And I choose from this day on and forever to live in your presence, flawed as I am, flawed, fickle, and phony as I am. I choose to live in your presence and to gaze upon you because you will come and save me again and again and again and again. Grant me to feel my need of your continual saviorhood. Praise God. So three things will happen, and this is where I'll, I'll close out. Three things happen with desire. Because if you see Jesus, who is altogether lovely, which means he is so beautiful that he excites love, when you have that love excited on the inside of you, three things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to abandon every other eclipsing pursuit and desire. You'll say with Hosea, what do I have to do with idols anymore? What do these things have to do with me? I have him. What can anyone else do for my soul? You'll abandon everything else. You can say with Madame Guyon, in having him, how can I desire? Because I possess everything. You can say with Mother Besselia Schlink, he is here. You are here. What more could I want? You can say with Charles Spurgeon, thou hast given thyself to me. For what more could I ask? Abandoning all other things, he will realize that the oceans of the world aren't worth a thimble of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I reached you to, to clear all the rooms of your heart because a better guest cannot come. I look to you to, to give up poisons and drink the living water. Give up mold for the bread of life. Spit on the table of devils and dine at the descending table out of heaven. Christ. A meal that changes you forever. Number two. Communion with God will become number one. When you see him for what he is, and you get this love excitement. And listen, lovers instinctively seek retreat. This desire to be with him will be our first desire, our highest desire, a world of pleasures. <laughs> a world of pleasures he is, praise God. We love to be alone with him and the sweetness of his presence underneath his word. Oh, I tell you, you miss a thousand joys by lack of communion with Christ. Maybe say with David Brainerd, who writes in his journal, an hour with God infinitely excels all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. May we say also with David Brainerd that a half hour in God's presence makes up for all life's pain and sorrows. <laughs> Praise God. May we say with Robert Murray McShane, an hour with God is worth a lifetime with any man. May we listen to the letters written from prison by Samuel Rutherford and say, lighten your heart by laying upon him. Praise God. If you need more rest, I encourage you to lean more. Matthew Henry tells us, 
entertain yourself from day to day with the contemplation of the beauty of the Lord. I tell you, there's no movie better than that. I tell you, there's nothing you can do with your time more thrilling to the soul than to sit and gaze with your heart's eyes upon the beauty and majesty of who God has revealed himself to be in the scriptures and demonstrated himself to be on the cross and then also is in reality by the spirit in your daily life. Thinking on these things is everything. It's so crazy to me. Isaiah 42.1 says that he, Jesus, delights the heart of God. Listen, if he can delight the heart of God, you better believe he can ravish a human soul. <laughs> but men, men don't see him. And because of their lack of sight, they mistreat him. They treated Christ as a criminal, but what did he rob from men but their punishment? The last thing that I believe will happen when desires quickened fresh on the inside by sight of Christ for who he and what he is will be this desire to be like John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist is called the greatest born among women, and it's not because of his austere life or his strange diet. It's because he removed every obstacle from being in front of Jesus. He sent all his disciples to Jesus. He beheld the lamb and called everyone else to do the same thing. This is what happens when the heart is excited by the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna close with this statement. And this is a strong statement, but it's to emphasize how beautiful Jesus actually is. And I think I need this adjustment in my life over and over again. And the, the statement is this, Christ is so lovely to God. He's so precious to God and he's so loved by God that the fact that God has chosen to share the sight of his beauty with us is severe. To refuse to look at this beauty that God loves so much and is desired to share with you, to refuse to look at it is to die in your sins. To refuse to look at Christ is to die unforgiven. To refuse to look at Christ is to be cast away from him forever. That's how beautiful he is to God. I show him to you. You reject him. You reject me. This is the splendor and majesty of how wonderful Christ is. But on the flip side, if you choose to avail this wonderful sight and revelation of the thing most precious to God, if you turn and look, you shall live if you turn and look, you'll be thrilled. If you turn and look, you'll be transformed and transfigured. Oh, we behold him and are transformed into the very same image. Praise God. If looking at Christ causes me to be transformed into his image, then if I don't look at Christ, I remain in my own. <laughs> you say, Eric, what are you trying to say? I'm just trying to say that he's altogether lovely. That's it. And I think he deserves more attention. I just think he's worthy of more attention and more love. I just think he's just longing to be loved and waiting to be wanted and seeking to be sought. I just feel like he's here saying, here I am. Look to me and live. Look at me and experience me. Have me. Let me satisfy you. I think if we take him up on this, that's what creates a holy life. 
Jesus, I worship you. I praise you. 